episode 800. T.J. Watt was there for the taking, but the Green Bay Packers traded out of the first round to get the first pick of the second round. To break down the trade and his predictions for day two of the NFL draft, we welcome Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the NFL draft. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. Scott, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you doing? Very good. Scott typically joins us the second Friday of every month, but it's a special occasion today. We're talking about the NFL draft. We're talking about the trade the Packers made. We have got a lot to get to. We're going to talk tons of Packers in a second, but I mean, Scott, in a move that heavily impacts the NFC North division, just to start things off, what did you make of the Chicago Bears trading up to draft Mitchell Trubisky? Gave up a lot. They really gave up a lot. But in, in if you're Ryan Pace and you look at the, the direction the team has gone over the last couple of years from a wins and losses perspective, even though he's added an abundance of talent to his roster, and I think he's got a, a lot of young guys that you know we'd like to have maybe in Green Bay as well. But uh, he, he needed a quarterback. And sometimes if there's one position that you can overpay for, uh, in, in a draft, I think it is quarterback. So you can't you can't blame them for going out and getting their guy to define their draft. Now, for Pace, his, his future and uh, his career it will be defined by, you know, Trubisky, who has 13 starts at the college level. And, uh, you know, I, that is that can be somewhat of a head scratcher. And, you know, the other thing about it is you look at what the Rams did last year and the amount of picks they moved up you know, to get their guy, and he ended. Up, he looks like he's going to be a true boss. Well, that can set your franchise back for three to four years. So he's really uh, rolled the dice that Trubisky's going to be the guy of the future. If he is, it'll, uh, you know, all will be forgotten by the amount that they gave up. And uh, if he's not the guy, you know, he'll be uh, he'll he'll be viewed as a fool, and his job will be very short-lived. I question the ability to now surround Trubisky with enough talent, seeing as you gave up four picks for one. Um, although I, I have seen, you know, everybody will forget if, if Mitch Trubisky is the next Aaron Rodgers, everybody will forgive him. So uh, it remains to be seen how this plays out. But okay, Scott, uh, we know the Packers traded out of the first their first round pick, uh, number 29 overall. But I mean, just hypothetically here, who would you have taken if you were the Packers GM and stayed put at 29? We know T.J. Watt was there. Reuben Foster slid in the NFL draft. He was there. Who would have been your pick? You know, Foster was was really one of the guys that I thought was the most exciting college player was of, uh, of last year. And he just seemed like his attitude and his intensity and his presence would be just such an epic fit in Green Bay. When he slid past Detroit and then Oakland and Oakland takes a, um, a guy that also has claims of potential character issues, it's, uh, 
at that point, you know, mentally, I kind of took Foster off of my my draft board, if you will. Um, and I didn't think it was even a possibility and really was just all about uh, T.J. Watt and thinking that Watt would be a uh, in, an ideal presence. Uh, you know, we talked about him, boy, just a couple of weeks ago and just how much he really fit into the three, four outside linebacker. And you just uh, you just knew that the Steelers who seemed to draft an outside linebacker every year in the first round, uh, it uh, you just knew that Watt was going to be going there and that he would be a natural fit or a natural selection for them. So uh, I'm happy that Watt ended up in a really good spot. Uh, bummed it's not in Green Bay and he would have been uh uh, he would have certainly been my my selection. With that said, I think the trade was a great decision by Ted Thompson, and I'm really excited to see what happens over the next two days. Yeah, I would have drafted T.J. Watt, too, as we've discussed many times on this show. Uh, I get the feeling that Reuben Foster, while he may have had the higher ceiling, uh, he's just maybe not very smart in, in general, which, which you know, exemplified by his decision-making at the NFL Combine and, and the failed drug test, knowing you're going to get tested for these kind of things that, you know, maybe his, you know, would translate to the, the football field in that he may, may, may not make smart decisions on the field either, or be able to lead a defense as the middle linebacker typically is and line other players up, things like that. Uh, so maybe that's why the Packers passed there. I'm just, you know, hypothesizing here myself. Um, Scott, how much do you think the signing of Jari Evans, uh, big news uh, the day before the NFL draft, how much that influenced the Packers trade? Because, you know, the Packers also could have had uh, who some people think is the top tackle in the draft in Ryan Ramchick, the top guard in the draft in Forrest Lamp. Those guys were there, too. But do you think the Jari Evans signing influenced that? There's, uh, there's no question in my mind that any other year the Packers would have drafted Forrest Lamp. And I really believe that. But, I, you know, I just feel that Ted Thompson has a different buzz to him this offseason. He's been more aggressive and adding talent in free agency. And he seems more uh, determined to, uh, to put the Packers in a position to win the Super Bowl this year and to be all in at all costs as far as, uh, um, you know, adding uh, intelligently adding depth to this roster. Um, I, it, it, and it really told me something. Uh, frankly, when I saw both the guys that you mentioned on the board, I started kind of scratching my head like, oh, boy, is this what Ted's going to do? And, boy, is he going to get tortured by the fans in Green Bay, especially if Watt is, you know, with Watt available and, uh, uh, you know, he ends up going offensive line. People are just going to be furious. Right. Like and, and not that he should be making any picks with us in mind. Uh, but the, the reality is, is just his approach over the last couple of months has shown me that uh, Ted Thompson is viewing this team and this year differently than maybe he has in years past. And uh, I certainly think that uh, the Evans signing significantly impacted his decision-making yesterday. I, I tend to think that maybe it's not so much Ted Thompson. I mean, maybe it is because, I mean, ultimately he's still the general manager and the buck, you know, stops with him. But I'm wondering how much influence he now had, you know, the, the, the young guys in the organization, the Elliott Wolves and the Alonzo Highsmiths have, uh, which, which, you know, is spurred on by the atypical, 
process the Packers have taken in free agency by signing Martellus Bennett and Jari Evans and Devon House and Lance Kendricks, you know, more people than they've signed uh, in the typical free agent cycle. Um, so, uh, but I mean, Ted, Ted Thompson has to, you know, rubber stamp these things too. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure where to take it from there, but, um, Scott, what you, you mentioned, you like the trade, but what do you think the, about the value the Packers are getting? They now have the first pick on day two of the draft and the first pick on day three of the draft. And those tend to be popular picks because teams have overnight to work out another potential trade, you know, 20 some hours as opposed to the 15 minutes they get in between picks. Do, do, do you think like someone moves up and, and wants to get the next quarterback like Davis Webb? I certainly do. And, and if it's not Webb, it might be Kaiser, right? So there's, there's a couple of guys that, uh, um, you know, are going to be, uh, you know, attractive for teams to go up and get. And, you know, also with uh, with offensive linemen like Lamp and Robinson still on the board. You know, it's, I think that that's surprise that's got to surprise a lot of teams that that those players still uh, still are around for the taking. And uh, because of it, I really do like the value as to where the Packers are positioned to control the beginning of the draft over the next two days. And you know, you look at teams that win Super Bowls. These are the two days that, you know, you add the depth of your roster. You add the, the talent that are these guys. If you can find guys who are going to make impacts, you're going to be on first, year, you know, first contracts for the next four years. This is this is how you build championship teams. And, uh, you know, clearly John Schneider feels that, that same way as well. And Ted Thompson has put himself in a position to accumulate both quality and quantity over the next two days. And, um, you know, that starts with uh, basically from the, the moment the draft ended last night, uh, you know, till five o'clock Mountain Standard Time today, uh, you know, Ted Thompson is is the number one person that GMs across the league are going to be trying to dial and negotiate with. And we'll see what type of salesman Ted is here and what type of position he can put himself in, unless there just really is that one guy that he views as more talented than others. Um, you know, it, it make it would make sense, in my opinion, for the Packers to once again um, slide back, especially if they can add uh, maybe maybe a third round pick. If people get a little hungry um, in their negotiations, there, there's a shot then that Ted's going to have five, five of the top 108 picks in the draft. We oftentimes talk about drooling over the thought of four of the top 100. If he adds a fifth, I, you know, I think that really puts in a position. Um, to, to really control, you know, the next 80 to 90 picks in the draft and uh, to put the Packers in a position to win rounds two, three, and four, uh, and then also having two picks in round five as well. So, uh, you know, I, I look at it as uh, uh, Ted Thompson right now is in control of the draft's destiny, and that's an exciting thing for him to be able to do over the next two days. Do you think at all that the Packers should have gotten more out of this trade with the Browns? You know, when it was first, you know, my immediate reaction is, oh, did they get their third instead of their fourth? And I thought, well, that's probably a little rich. But, I mean, maybe should they have gotten an extra sixth-round pick or something? Did, did they get enough out of this trade? My gut really, uh, really thought that they were going to be getting either another six or another seven as well. Um, I, I really thought that way. Um and I think that if you were to put together a draft chart, and I haven't looked at it, that's probably what it would tell you. 
But uh, I think there's also value in what we just discussed, controlling the uh, the draft over the next two days, and let's see what else comes of uh, of getting these two picks, and it uh, uh, it may lead to uh, to a, an additional ability to maneuver himself back in back and to accumulate additional picks in a draft where. You know, you look at the defensive linemen in this draft and tell me how much of a difference there is in the guys you're going to get in round three and round six. I don't see a ton. There's this de- The depth in this draft is really rich at tight end. It's really rich at at, uh, and, uh, you know, at, at uh, outside linebacker and inside linebacker. Uh, when you get to there's a there's a lot of good talent towards the bottom of the draft, I think, at inside linebacker. And then, of course, cornerback. You know, you can find 15 cornerbacks that you like in this draft. And uh, they, they, they um, you know, there's a lot of similarities in, in these guys. And I think when you look at what the Packers have as far as needs at cornerback and outside linebacker and inside linebacker, running back as well, well, the Packers are just positioned to really be able to fill those, uh, those, those spots with people who can make an immediate impact. Yeah, I, I think having the first pick of day two and the first pick of day three are, are a little more valuable than usual, um, or as the draft board would tell you. So I guess that's why the Packers made this trade. Uh, but, Scott, assuming the Packers stay put, uh, they they have the 33rd pick now in the draft. Who who do you think, if they stay put, who will it be? I think it's going to be Kevin, you know, McGinn hits these things, right? And Kevin King seems like a real logical uh, pick. You and I talked about him at great lengths a couple of weeks ago. But to be able to get a guy that's 6'3", 200 pounds, runs a 4'4", and the guy that I think is unquestionably the best red zone defensive back, um, you know, in the the, the draft. And beyond that, I also think that he's, uh, you know, on the deep ball, he, he plays that, uh, that ball as though he's the wide receiver. And he's one of the few guys in the league that uh, are in the draft that would really be able to step in and say, all right, against Julio Jones, I'm going to have a fighting shot with this guy because he matches up with him from a, high, uh, a height perspective and a speed perspective. And, you know, I think that, you know, after watching um, what happened to us in the, uh, the, the playoffs last, you know, really the last two years where we just couldn't stop people against that bigger, stronger, faster wide receiver. It, it makes sense to sort of mirror and match that and to see if we can't uh, put ourselves in a position to find that one guy that's going to stop, uh, uh, you know, stop, uh, stop that, uh, that, that, that weapon. I will say that the only reason I would, uh, I would be concerned about the, uh, the thought of uh, trading back is, King also seems like the type of guy that John Schneider would select just to pick behind us. So if King is your guy, you do have to select him, uh, um, you know, at, uh, <laughs> at, at pick 33. Yeah, with the Seahawks tendency to take those big, tall cornerbacks, you, you do have to get him now if you want him. Any thought to like a guy like Delvin Cook or uh, linebacker Zach Cunningham? I'm trying to think even Forrest Lamp still out there now. You know, it's it's uh you know I, when I highlight some names outside of King, it's like I uh you know I I, I like Ouzier as we've as we've yeah. talked about Zach Cunningham if they're looking for inside linebacker, I mean he's he's a he's he's a top shelf player and he's going to be an inside linebacker that starts somewhere for the next seven to ten years without a doubt. I get really excited about the thought of Jordan Willis as a pass rusher. Um, and then you know when when I look at running backs and uh, you know I'm just going to say it. Joe Mixon seems like he's a PR nightmare for the first 
you know, two months that he's a Green Bay Packer. But I'll tell you, the first time the Packers see that guy catch the ball in the flat on third and eight, and he's three yards short of the first down, and he puts a little shake on somebody and bounces his way across the sticks to move him, I just uh, people are going to forget about what happened when he was 18 years old. And uh, I, I really, really, really hope Joe Mixon is a Green Bay Packer. There, I said it. I know a lot of people <laughs> think that that's too controversy. There's too much controversy around that. I think we need to get over it. We need to realize that sometimes kids, uh, um, you know, make bad decisions at 18 years old. In the words of Bob Marley, "If you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. Judge not." <laughs> and I just, uh, I just feel that uh, um, uh, you know Joe Mixon would be an absolutely fantastic pick later on. Uh, and if he's the guy that they pick at pick 33, you know, I'm going to be jumping in excitement with that as well. So, um, you know, I, the Packers need playmakers. They need guys who are going to be true difference makers. And uh, Mick, Mixon is that guy. And I'm not going to chastise him for something he did, for a decision he made when he was 18 years old, as wrong as it was. Um, you know, we, we he, he seems to have grown up and he seems to be accountable for the action. And I, I think it would be a very exciting to have him in Green Bay. Yeah, I I always ask myself. I mean, does does this kid does it or anybody do they deserve to spend the rest of their life in prison? No, I mean he he's he did his penance. You can argue whether it was enough or not. I believe he received probation. He was suspended by Oklahoma, but I mean he deserves to make a living. And, and I mean you know life goes on. So. Um, I, I do hesitate that their first pick would be a guy with so many, you know, issues just because of the money invested and the media attention he would get as that first pick. But at the second pick, I, I suppose I can buy it. Um, uh, Scott, that the, the Packers are presumed to use their fifth year option on haha ha Clinton Dix pretty fairly shortly here. Uh, I think everybody expects that. Does it concern you at all that the Packers, now that they traded out around one, they're not going to have that option with whoever they draft next? Yeah, it's a, it's a real good question, Brian, but uh, really at this stage, I can't say that I'm, I'm concerned about five years from now. Right now, what I'm focused on with respect to the Green Bay Packers is are they going to get four to five players this weekend who can influence the results of the Green Bay Packers in 2017? And the Packers need players to make an immediate impact at cornerback, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, and running back. And that has to happen over these next two days. So, uh, you know, that's where I'm focusing my attention, and I'd have to fancy that that's where the personnel department's focusing their, you know, their attention as well. Yeah, by the time that fifth-year option comes, Aaron Rodgers may no longer be the quarterback of this franchise, so you can look at it through that prism as well. Um, uh, any predictions for they, who they draft at the end of round two? Do, do, do you say that's Joe Mixon right now? Can he last that long? I'm hoping so, and that, uh, that is a guy that I, I, would, uh, I would really love. Um, additionally, if they are going to go with a, uh, um, a, 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 an edge rusher like a Jordan Willis or a Bowser um, or somebody like that, you know, then I, you know, I love Fabian Moreau, especially if he can – if, if he's going to be fit for uh, for training camp this year, I love Fabian Moreau at the end of the second round if he's going to last that long. But, you know, I think at this stage, uh, the way I'm leaning is I'd be really excited for Joe Mixon at the end of the second round. Interesting. Um, okay, uh, Scott, we talked so much about the Packers possibly trading down once more. But the, the point is that, that they have nine picks left in the draft. 
do you think they have the ammunition to move up at some point? Like them them taking the 33rd overall draft pick here, but then moving up in the second round to get the guy they want? They certainly would have that ammunition, but I really admired a quote from Ted Thompson last night. You know, he's not normally the guy that becomes that uh, says much to uh, to to the media, but he almost admitted that his that his roster has holes or his roster has faults with it right now, when he said we wanted to add meat to shore up our roster, and I, I just I love that quote because I think. It was almost like he, he is so shy with giving you any thought <laughs> as to what's going on inside that, uh, that you know, that, that green room, so to speak. And, you know, I, I think any Packer fan that's honest with themselves, they really like, you know, most of the starting 22 that, uh, that, that we're going to roll out this year. But beyond that, you can kind of bite your fingernails as to what we're really going to have there. And we know injuries are going to happen in this fierce league. So I, I, I loved that quote. And, uh, you know, when you, you also look at it, that between uh, the Evans edition and the rest of the, the, the draft weekend and undrafted free agents, the Packers are going to be adding 27 players to the roster this weekend. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking at this as though I hope that's, that picks continue to get stockpiled even further throughout the weekend. And it would, it, it, it would really shock me almost if Ted Thompson doesn't trade, you know, the first pick today and the first pick tomorrow to accumulate additional picks and to almost steal, um, uh, you know, a page out of Ron Wolf's books by trying to, to win rounds four, five, and six. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look at it and I, I think that, you know, there's this is, as I said earlier, this isn't a draft where you're, you're maybe taking quantity over quality. This is a draft where you can accumulate quantity and get quality out of that quantity. And uh, because of that, while they will have the ammunition to trade up if they wanted to, I think it's uh, it makes sense as long as they can stay through rounds three and five. It makes sense to to accumulate additional picks. They're going to have three picks by the end of the night. Uh, again, assuming they don't trade anymore, trade up or anything like that. So, I mean, you, you do you think it's it's cornerback, edge rusher, uh, running back by the end of the night? That would be uh, that would be my absolute guess. Yes, um, I, I, I I gotta say that you know I view inside linebacker a little higher than uh, than you know maybe the the Packers personnel department does. And uh, I mentioned his name last uh, or two weeks ago with you. I really love Alex Anzalone uh, from Florida. If that guy were healthy, I, I think he's a first round pick. Um, he just never was really able to stay uh, to stay healthy at the University of Florida. Um, if you were able to get a guy like that in the third round, that would be very, very, very exciting. He'd bring speed, he'd bring intensity, bring pizzazz to the center of that Packer defense. And you know, if it ends up being um, maybe a a a cornerback, and then uh, uh, you know, if it's King, and then it's uh, it's Mixon, and it's Anzalone uh, today, boy, will we be excited! And then the other name that I just have to mention for tomorrow, um, you know, a lot of a lot of us are, are Wisconsin homers and we love we love T.J. Watt. But wasn't Vince Beagle damn good at the college level? Like, And doesn't he sort of fit Green Bay, Wisconsin? And what if he's the guy that we're talking about drafting at the, uh, you know, to start the fourth round? Would people forgive Ted for his uh, him passing <laughs> on T.J. if he's got his counterpart? I, I don't know. So. I, there is so much draft ahead, uh, ahead of us. There's so much left to this weekend 
And I just really encourage Packer fans to get away from the ledge. Let's be patient. Let's see how this plays out. Ted was has been different over the last two week, two months than you know he's been over the last decade. So let's uh, let's see let's let's see things at present value and let's see things where we're at and let's watch the way this draft weekend rolls out. I really love the way the Packers are positioned. And frankly speaking, for between today and tomorrow, whose position would you prefer other than John Schneider's? as far as winning the last two days of the draft. And I think it's really Schneider and Thompson as the two guys that are at the top of the table there. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting how the Seahawks and the, the, the former employee of the Green Bay Packers are, are right there neck and neck with the Packers throughout the rest of the rounds. Um, yeah, uh, I, I like what the Packers are, are setting up for. Uh, I Some guys I like are Samaje Pirine, uh, the other running back from Oklahoma. I think he's that big back that the Packers could get like in the third round. My, my thoughts on Vince Beagle um, are that I, I never liked him as much as T.J. Watt, and obviously, you know, T.J. Watt was a first-round draft pick. The thing that worries me about Vince Beagle is that I don't think he's a three-down type of outside linebacker. I think he's a, a kind of a pass rush specialist. But I'll say this, by the time you get to round four, I, I mean, what do you want? You, you want a guy who's going to get you sacks. And, and I can buy that. And even, you know, if the Packers were to get, uh, you know, go Kevin King at the beginning of round two, and then at the end of round two, how about a guy like Tim Williams, who might be one of the best pass rushers in this draft? Same kind of thing. I'm not sure he's a, a three-down type of outside linebacker. I worry about him holding up against the run. It's He didn't do that at, at Alabama, um, uh, but he does have the capability to be a pass rusher similar to Vince Beagle. You're, you're very right. So give me your thoughts. Who, who are the guys that you want to start round? Uh, I'm flipping the table on you here, Brian. <laughs> to start round two, to finish round two, and to finish round three. Um, who, who are your thoughts, and what would you, would you trade out of, uh, out of this pick? Yeah, I for I would certainly consider any amount of trading. You know, I'd be willing to listen to any team and and find out the team that's going to throw out that one outrageous you know trade value to give you their second and third or something like that. I'm not sure if a team gives you their second and third. I'm not sure how you can pass that up. Um, but uh, that being said, if the Packers stay put, I do take Kevin King right away. Uh, you you get your corner back there, uh, and as for the end of round two, it's so tough to say. You know who is left on the board by that point. I mean, there's there's certainly several options that you can consider, and I'm trying to go through a list of the guys here uh, that may be available at that point. Um, could the Packers get uh, their their guard at the end of round two? A guy, the the guard Dan Feeney from Indiana, I think he could be a guy who could compete for that starting guard spot immediately. I mean, I guess Jari Evans is the starter now, but he's obviously not the long term solution. Um, or a guy like I just mentioned before, 
uh, Tim Williams of Alabama, the guy who's who's a good pass rusher, even though there are question marks about him and his decision making off the field. But at least you, that's you know it's the second pick. It's not the money invested into your first pick that I can get on board with those kind of question marks with a guy like Tim Williams or a guy like Joe Mixon. By that point, I I I can buy that. You can talk me into that. I think so. Um, and, and then as far as round three, boy, I mean, we're really getting to the point. Uh, but at some point, the Packers have to get a guy that, you know, is going to be, uh, I think, a threat with the ball in their hands, whether that's a running back, like I could see Samaje P. Ryan uh, by the time round three comes around, or a wide receiver at that point as well, um, whether it's Amara Darbo or Josh Reynolds, just just a few names I'm throwing out there. Zay Jones, uh, I like all these guys, but uh, you know, don't know who's going to be available. One last question: What if uh, somebody were to uh, a team that you don't project to fare very well in 2017 was to offer their first round pick of 2018? For your, um, your, for the first pick of round two, what do you think? <laughs> that's that's uh, interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. No, I I don't think I could because then, uh, yeah, I mean, if if the Packers are in win now mode. Uh, and, and they should be. Uh, I mean, you, your your first pick is then what the sixty. What what is their pick? Sixty something, sixty six, sixty sixty one. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, then you're waiting to the the end of round three for your next one. And I just don't think I could pull the trigger on it. But boy, that would certainly give you pause to to think it over and mull it over for a second. Would you? I'd ask for an, um, a, a three to go along with it, right? Give me a three <laughs> this year and, and your one next year and we got a deal. But uh, it, it, it was it was something that I kind of, you know, when I let the dog outside last night and was staring up at the at the stars, it was one of the things that I uh, right, that kind of crossed my mind is, huh, like what if a team like Jacksonville, who's, uh, you know, a couple of picks behind us, and, uh, uh, you know, you, you just project to finish in the top five, uh, you know, or, or the bottom five of the league again next year. If they were to say, hey, we'll give you a first round pick, um, you know, of next year for, uh, um, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're the first pick of the draft. And uh, uh, what, what, what would you do? Or the first <laughs> pick of today, what would you do? And I was like, oh, that's a, a that's an interesting thought, right? Like. You know, do you do you ask for then another three or a four or what do you how do you how do you react to that? And when the smart chips would say, well, next year you're going to have a top five pick in the draft. Are you are you building for the future? It seems like Belichick could be the type of guy that would take that trade. But, uh, um, you know, what would Ted Thompson do? And I'm not quite sure how Scott McKenna would react to that, you know, <laughs> but uh it would definitely uh, certainly give you pause and have to ponder it. I, I think you had the prop appropriate reaction in that give us the third round this year as well, and then we'll have a deal. So yep. I, I can get on board with that. Scott, uh, thanks so much for joining us here the day after the Packers. Uh, first round, and now they're going to have the second round later today. So thanks for, for providing your analysis, and we'll talk to you again soon. Look forward to it, Brian. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Scott McKenna of the Talkin' Smack blog joining us here 
at Railbird Central. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show, and albeit briefly. The day ahead. Yeah, the Green Bay Packers. They have on Friday the first pick of the second round, which is the uh, 33rd pick overall. They have the 29th pick in the second round, which is number 61 overall. And they have the 29th pick in the third round, which is number 93 overall. Uh, and the Packers already, uh, the NFL announced who's going to be announcing their picks. Uh, Hall of Famer Jim Taylor will announce at least one of their second round picks uh, on Friday. And in addition to that, uh, linebacker J. Roan Elliott will announce the team's third round pick on Friday. So looking forward to that and looking forward to what happens. We've already speculated for more than a half hour about what the Packers will do today, uh, perhaps uh, multiple times <laughs> between trades and players they'll pick. We'll see how it all shakes out. So enjoy the draft, folks. We'll break it all down on Monday's episode of Railbird Central, uh, our post-draft analysis show uh, in which uh, we'll break down all the players, the new players the Packers get. So make sure to join us then. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. Um, have a good weekend. Have a good Friday, and uh, we'll see you next week. I leave you today with a song called New Country Blues by the Emmett Nershey Band on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go.